Real facts, real opinions, real talk. It's time for Roadworthy Drive, hosted by Ken Chester and Sasha J. Little. If it moves you now or in the future, you can rest assured that they'll be talking about it right here. So here they are, the mobility duo with the technology twist, Ken and Sasha. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive from Spokane, Washington to Tallahassee, Florida. We're known as America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. We are Ken Chester and Sasha J. Little in studio and at the controls, equipped with all you need to know this week concerning mobility. So glad you could join us. Um, so we're in Florida? Yes. I think that we also need to make sure that everybody understands that we did, in fact, make it through the Arctic tundra. And we're okay. And we're okay. Yes, we are. Can we get some of that heat shipped up here from Florida? Uh, yeah, without all the moisture. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> to connect yourself to the show, call or text the Roadworthy Drive Line. Number is 872-222-9793. Email is ken at roadworthydrive.net. This hour, our usual rummaging around for news tidbits from the parts bin, as well as the following topics. Taking you to the water to solve your transportation woes, robot valets assistance in airport parking and adventures and autonomous ride sharing what could possibly go wrong if it's autonomous though is it really ride sharing is my question kind of yeah like i don't i don't think that that's necessarily a thing kind of yeah we'll talk we'll talk about it all of that this hour but first please say hello to my bright and brilliant ray of sunshine my vivacious co-host sasha j little how you doing I am thought out, almost. Okay. Um, Mother Nature decided to be completely crazy and psycho and crazy because mm -hmm. we were negative 54 degrees. And that doesn't count the snow we and, got before that. Right, right, right. The snow that wasn't supposed right, to be here. Right, right. And then it is a whopping, it's going to get like 46 yeah, today yeah. and then 50 a something. Bit, a bit messy underfoot. <laughs> yeah. Slush is the devil. Yeah. And did anybody mention uh, the other bane of this freezing and thawing? Refreeze. Yeah. Always fun. For those of you that don't live in a northern climb, <laughs> refreeze is that kind of wonderful thing that happens when you cycle through from a cold to a warm to a cold. It partially melts during the day. Then at night, it freezes over, which makes for a real fun, slippery whoopsie and, oh my goodness, kind of uh, driving misadventures. Oh, yeah. And see, they're already laying down serious brine. They were like, doing that this morning. Yeah, serious yeah. brine is going yeah. out there right now. So, yeah. If you are in a northern climb and hearing the sound of my voice, do please be careful because refreeze is no joke. Yeah, no. that that's And see, that's my thing. I mean, I would much rather tackle the initial than the refreeze and the slush. Because mm -hmm. we're going to get down to negative four again. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I wish you would stop saying bad things on an open mic. <laughs> really? Because you think that they're just not going to happen then uh, if I if I don't say that? One can them? hope. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. I'm just saying. What if I told you, Sasha, mm. that there's an automaker building a factory? There's an automaker building factories. Well, hold on. That can that their walls can absorb a type of pollution. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. That the factory, the exterior factory walls uh -huh. are designed to actually absorb nitrogen ox dioxide. Okay. First of all, mm -hmm. if you were to tell me something like that, mm -hmm. I am one going to say, I will bet you hard money it's not in the U.S. Uh, actually, it's not. 
Ah, see, yeah. Uh, in Germany. Ah! Uh, and it's Porsche. Wunderbar. Uh, their new factory that will build their electric car, the Taycan, uh-huh. uh, is coated with a material is able Is it Taycan to- or Tucan? Taycan. Tucan? T-A-Y-C-A-N. Tucan? Tucan, Tucan. No. No? Okay. Let it go. <laughs> um, their exterior walls are able to absorb nitrogen dioxide. Ironically, a pollutant, it's cheating diesel cars are actually emitting. Imagine that. Huh. But this is not the first time that automakers have tackled removing pollution from the air uh, passively. Uh, Volvo attempted this in the late 1990s with what they call their smog-eating radiator. In other words, their radiator was coated with a substance uh, that designed to remove carbon dioxide out of the air as a car drove down the road. I Supposedly remember that. clean yeah. the air. Yeah. That ended up by 2004 being in over 2 million cars and not just Volvos. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Porsche is calling this their uh, zero impact factory. So basically, not only do they want to build electric cars, they want to build a factory that pollutes as little as possible and in the perfect world doesn't pollute at all. Okay, so here's my question because, you know, as we have talked about, automakers are pinching pennies, right? Not all of them. How much, I mean, how much does it, how much is that kind of technology when you're putting it in the infrastructure? Did it put a price tag? I mean, you cannot put a price tag on doing better for, you know, Mother Earth, but. It it did not. Okay. But they claim that this coating uh, takes the page on the building of 10 parking spots and it performs the work of 10 trees. Is it graphene? No. Based? It's not, no no graphene in there? No. Ah. It is aluminum coated with titanium dioxide, which acts as a catalyst and breaks down the absorbed pollutant particles into harmless substances, water, and nitrate when exposed to sunlight and with only low air humidity. That's what they said. Huh. That's but, actually pretty cool. Yeah. It, cool. See? Yeah. Um, let's throw this at you since we're going all, uh, you know, green and whatnot. Of course. How about a house plant that cleans the air in your home? It's a little off into the weeds. Don't worry. Um, I made sure that all of our listeners are mm-hmm. tethered so we can get them out. I already cut the rope. I already really? cut it. Yeah, no, no. like that. Yeah, we have to frolic in the weeds, people. Okay, so houseplants already clean my air. That's why I have houseplants. Ah, but these particular ones. Are like genetically engineered to do that? Are designed to take out small molecules like chloroform or benzene <laughs> that can build up in a home from sources like chlorinated water or gasoline. Uh They've taken a common house plant, the pothos ivy, also known as devil's ivy, how uh-huh. ironic, and gen- genetically modified it yeah. so it absorbs chloroform and benzene. These modified plants actually eat potentially dangerous compounds and use uh. them to fuel their own growth. Uh. Yeah. Clean plants. They move. They eat pollution. Yeah. So we're either one step away from a young lady waking up with her genetic stream being tampered with plant stream and she becomes poison ivy. No. Or we are one step away from having a giant man-eating plant uh, growing in our you know living rooms. Who needs a wall when you have a plant? Right? Just saying. I'm just saying. Just saying. But there's that. Okay. Um, changing gears, literally. Okay. What if I told you? Put the clutch down. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Jam the gears. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ford is looking at a smaller pickup than the Ranger. Why? 
uh, because there's a need for it. They think that, that they can sell one, maybe based on the outgoing Focus chassis. Uh, because understand this, Ford, until 2013, sold a smaller pickup called the Courier to international markets. And it was based on the sm even smaller Fiesta platform. Well, I mean, here's my thing. I, there's always going to be someone that wants either a bigger or smaller pickup truck because they just don't want to get a car. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I guess, but... Ford's exact words. Investing in more affordable versions of our truck business. Is it going to be electric? Can, and you can expect new nameplates below where we compete today. That's that is a quote from Jim Farley, Ford president of Global Markets. And I actually know him personally. Is it going to be electric? Uh, it does not say it, but that would not surprise me. Hmm. Uh, right now, nobody sells a pickup that small as this one could be. And we're really not sure of the market. But Ford expects to launch this thing in the U.S. market uh, in the next three years. Well, I mean, well, four years. I could see years. it as like a uh, like a small courier fleet or something like that. Well, but understand if you I go back, if... if you go back to the late seventies and early eighties, right. there were these car truck things. Uh, uh, I'm trying oh, to think. Oh, El Camino. Of, yeah, yeah, the El Camino. Yeah, uh, Volkswagen had one on a Golf chassis. Yep. Um, yep. Even even Chrysler came out with one on their small chassis yep. for Hot Minute called the Rampage. So it's been done before. The question is, is there a market for it now? That we don't know. But I thought it would be interesting. And that is interesting. But do you have anything else for us? I do, as a matter of fact. Okay. The next Dodge Challenger update may include electrification. Electrification? Yes. Ele now, not a hybrid. Okay. Oh, so an electric car? No. Like, like a Tesla? No. They're going to add an electric motor for torque and improve fuel economy, which will let them actually use a smaller uh, internal combustion engine. But as always, it gets down to money and fuel economy. Okay. And the fact that this is an icon of performance and muscle. Okay, but why just bother? They're just putting in the electrification like when in the powertrain just to help with the zero to 60 numbers? Yes, but that's a waste of why would you do that? Billion millions of dollars in cost by going with smaller engine tooling, a million different reasons. Lighter car, the whole thing. It just sounds to me like they are li literally dragging their nails to cling on to the the combustion engine. Some people do that. When we return, do you want relief from traffic congestion? Just add water. Back after this. Roadworthy Drive is America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. Pupils, pupils, the time is here to say our lessons loud and clear. Now, in a sentence, which of you can use these words, both big and new? Studebaker, Studebaker. Studebaker, Studebaker? Yes, yes sir, that's Studebaker. What I asked you for big and new, now please do what I asked you to. Everyone knows who's broad and peeled, the big new choice in a low price field. Studebaker? Studebaker. Craftsmanship with a flair. The standout car in the low price field. The only car in the low price field that's really, really new. 
the baker, to the baker. Big news, big news to the baker. Big news, big news to the baker. And now the time has come for you to see the one car really new. To take a drive in this freewheeler at your Studebaker dealer. Or if a used car owner you'd be, it's just as easy as ABC. Always buy certified. Easy as that. Dial your deal or grab your hat. Down to a Studebaker dealer's we'll go. They're the finest cars in town, you know. Studebaker. Studebaker's the name to say. See your dealer right away. If you're just tuning in, this is Roadworthy Drive, not your father's car show, in spite of that Studebaker commercial. We are Ken and Sasha, tech-bound and down each and every week. We share with you the information that you can use about mobility and the technology behind it so that you can stay sharp and aware about the changes happening around you, regardless of where you live. Regular listeners here on Roadworthy Drive know that we've talked about mobility by land, by air, and even underground. And in fairness to Sasha and to the waterways that are found throughout our fruited plain, I want to talk about, believe it or not, water taxis. Now, I'm not talking about the typical water ferries you might be familiar with, but I'm talking about something that's kind of different. And I, I call this segment Just Add Water. Uh, ironically enough, it's a French company, and the name of the company is Sea Bubbles. And what it is, experimental hydrofoil, the size of a small car, in fact, even looks like a little car. And they're proposing to use these as water taxis in cities that have rivers and other waterways throughout the world. Now, they've been, fin they've been working on a design for the last two to three years. And this water taxi is going to carry five people. Five people? Five. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, after they did a small prototype, they actually raised just short of $600,000 to fund the next stage. And that was back in July of 2016. Now, there's two ways that this works. Uh, in its first, when it starts, uh, it reaches a speed of roughly four to eight knots on the skids. By doing it that way, it reduces the water drag on the vehicle by 40% and increases efficiencies, and it lets it roll up to speeds of 28 and a half miles an hour. Up to what? 28 and a half miles an hour on the water. Wow. It's powered by two electrically driven propellers attached to the rear skids. Thought you might like that. Uh, you know, I love anything that has to do with electric vehicles. But you'll like this even better. Okay. The electric power is replenished at the landing stage by using a mixture of solar panels and turbines to charge the batteries. <laughs> solar power. Yeah. Or solar panels. Yes. All and, right. And, and turbines. Now, do they are they using our favorite graphene? The uh, there's, I, there's no mention of graphene in this. Okay. Or fluoride, for that matter. Right, right. At this point. But that's not to say, as things develop, that they may not. Uh, they, Like I said, they call it the sea bubble. And it's silent and makes no wake. It won't erode riverbanks. And there's no emissions because, of course, it's electric. Now, they've been testing these in Switzerland, of all places, Sasha, on Lake Geneva. Aww. And they did that. Uh, early last year. Okay. Um, as they prepare to launch a service in the region. So it looks like that Switzerland might have been one of the first cities, one of the first countries where they've actually launched this thing. So, and you said that they actually have one on the water. Is that something yes. that's going to be available this year? Yes. Wow. Yes. 
Um, they want to use their electric boat to offer taxi service in cities like Paris and other cities. They're actually looking at some 50 cities around the world to launch. But wouldn't that be, isn't there a major car show that happens in Switzerland as well? Uh, the Geneva Motor, yes. Okay, so wouldn't that be uh, wouldn't that be really cool if they actually had something like that ready? That would be cool. Uh, the battery pack we're talking about is not a big one. It's a 20 kilowatt hour battery pack. It feeds the two 10 kilowatt electric motors. And uh, from what they can figure, you get about an hour of use between charges. And how long does it take to charge? Two hours. So I get an hour worth of play. I don't know if that's going to be a seller. I mean, yeah. So obviously we're not going to be using this for, this is definitely something for commercial, like people yes. that provide ferry services. Yes, and although you, an individual can buy one. Right. But what I'm saying is, is that I'm not going to, you know, just go out for an hour. If I'm on the lake for the day, I mean, I'm just not going to be out there for an hour. Well, there's some more red tape too, because electric boats often face while they face fewer regulations because uh -huh. they don't pollute or create noise, right? Uh, because they need to achieve a higher speed, it goes against speed restrictions on many rivers and lakes. So there's kind of a pull, yeah, and tug a, and pull yeah, on that. A push me pull you on that. Yeah, but they're talking about and they're calling it an Uber-like taxi service. That is, and it looks really cool. I mean, if they could, I I love. I wish that it had you know instead of the old Doris Day movie glass mm. bottom boat, if it had like a glass top. You and your panoramic <laughs> roofs, Sasha. It's a need. It's a necessity. Imagine, we have the technology. Um, imagine if this thing could be autonomous, too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, like usual, like taxi services in the United States when Uber came out, uh -huh. there are ferry companies that are concerned about increased traffic, translation, money out their pocket. Well, and we just had that bit of unfortunateness with um, the ducks in... Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of taxi right. services that are going to be looking to this. Now, I didn't, and I'm not making this up. This is the company slogan. Oh, no. It is. Oh, no. I, I, I didn't make this up. Okay, what do you I got? I swear. What do you got? Let's make our cities flow again. <laughs> I did not make that up. They're no, calling see, it the bubble taxi. That, that is the that is the company's. That yeah. is something that I could see in, uh, oh, what is that one? The, where it's got nothing but canals throughout the city. And, uh, 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 Venice. Yes. That is something that I could see in Venice. Or New Orleans. And there's certain um, New cities. New Orleans. Hello, somebody. Hello, sea level. New Orleans. Uh, yeah, New Orleans. Uh, Netherlands. Yes, because there's places in Netherlands where, canals. They, where they don't allow uh, you know, cars. Two things. Their mission, and I quote, uh -huh. to reduce congestion in cities and to use underutilized waterways. Yeah. And something I needed to say, uh, they've got demand for this thing. You can own one if you want to buy one. Right. You can own one for basically 140,000 euros, which works out to just over $160,200 American. And while they've got a lot of demand, uh, they don't have thousands of orders. But yes, uh, individuals as well as companies can buy one. Okay, so do I buy my two Teslas and my my electric SUV, or up do to, I... Oh, no, you want one of these. Go up Mississippi. Right, right. So imagine that. Traffic from New Orleans up to wherever. Maybe uh, Vicksburg or something. Next, would you let a robot park your car? One airport's plans to find out. Sit tight. <laughs> 
Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Yep, you're listening to Roadworthy Drive. Ken and Sasha at your service and in the house for the hour. Glad you could make it. Sasha and I want to invite you, though, to check out our website, and that's roadworthydrive.com. So much, <laughs> so much going on there. Sasha, why don't you tell them about it? Yeah, we do. We actually, we're slowly revamping. Um, that is a place that you would want to go to listen to our second hour um, on the podcast page. We also have a growing number of uh, special delights that are going to be added with uh, photos of cars and the wheels of non-consent and time with Sasha. And then you'll be able to follow me into the weeds with tech with Sasha. So it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Well, you want to be sure to like us on Facebook because that's important. That will keep you abreast of what's going on and what Sasha has been up to. Uh, Sasha, uh-huh. before we continue, yes, uh, I think I'm going to invest in one of those genetically engineered <laughs> little ivy plants called the devil's ivy. Uh, I, mean, I got a concern about chloroform. Do you know, why would you in have the studio? That? Just, just kind of do. <laughs> just kind of do. Um, just, just playing it safe, people, because you know we keep a safe studio here of uh-huh. all dangerous chemicals. Look, you're the one driving that Kia out there that has got the word turbo on it and not letting a certain someone. <coughs> and we'll be talking about that Kia probably next week. I know, but I mean, I'm just saying a female millennial perspective on that. No, we're good. So I'm pretty sure that I'm going to have to, you know, introduce you to a certain chemical so that way I well, can. Well, actually, when the weather gets better, uh-huh. we'll be back to wheels of non-consent. Right. But I'm just saying like now, though, yeah. because mm-hmm. you've got one like right now. Though. Yeah. Wheels of non-consent, people. I mean, keyword on that non-consent. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> you know what? They want the car back, though. I mean, but it's a Kia Turbo. I just it, don't. They want the car back, Sasha. <sighs> so, right. But I got a question for you. Okay. Yes. What? Would you trust a robot to park your car at the airport? Can I can I sideline some information into that real quick? Go for it. I don't trust another human to park my vehicle at an airport, but would I trust an artificial intelligence to park it? Yes. Ah. So saving the hustle to catch a flight and that long walk is worth it to you if in fact a robot handled the parking of your oh, car. Oh no, no, no. Because most of the time there, they, you have to pay for your car to sit there mm-hmm. while you're gone to mm-hmm. wherever you are flying to. You're going to still have to pay if this parks it. It's not free. I know. But my thing is, is that I, I just think it would be cheaper to just pay for an Uber to drop me off at the airport and then have an Uber pick me up and take me back home. Could be. But if you live in a remote area or a smaller airport where Uber may not be readily available. That's what friends are. That's what friends are for. They're friends. <laughs> anyway, um, London's large Gatwick Airport oh. is going to test this thing. Okay. Uh, it's It actually has a name. Like actual, like they named it? They name? named it. What and did they it, name there, it? There's a reason okay. for the name. Okay. But they named it Stan. St- Stan. Stan. Yeah. Uh, the, com- <laughs> the French company called Stanley Robotics built oh. this old Stan. Right, right. And it is a uh, artificial intelligence driven robot that will actually... Uh, get you know you'll take your car to a special place in the airport. Uh huh. Stan will pick it up a few inches off the ground and put it in a spot. So like a huge forklift type technology. 
not quite a forklift, not that high, literally inches off the ground, no, but, but enough what I'm saying to move is, it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, oh, that's a, okay, so it almost looks like a printer with a tongue sticking out. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's a way of putting it. I mean, so the car goes on the tongue part and mm-hmm. it lifts it up just yep. a little bit mm-hmm. and then it will drive your vehicle to wherever. Designed to actually lift and move cars into parking spaces without the need for the car to be active at all. Now, is it grit? You said it parks it in a special parking lot area. So is it like gridded? Like the AI, is it gridded as to what? Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. It's actually this design. Uh-huh actually will let the airport park more cars because, of course, you don't need room for a human to get out. Give an idea. <gasps> 270, yeah. 200, okay, 170 normal parking spaces uh-huh. at the airport yeah. will actually become 270 with this. That makes sense because inches count. Yeah. I mean, that's airports have been getting into trouble with that because they squeeze people in in like a confined space anyway. Yeah, but imagine a parking lot Where you that don't is have secure, have... vehicles locked. Yeah. Uh, so you don't have to worry about somebody breaking into it lit- or getting into it literally. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure a secure spot. The only question I've got, uh huh, um, can Stan be hacked? And what I I am assuming Stan is EV. Ah uh, yes. Okay. Yes he is. So um, Stan is operating totally autonomously, not remotely. Yes. Autonomous. Okay, and. Do we know like what system they're going to be using for Stan's? Commute? I don't, but it's geofenced. Okay. So I mean, they're not parking all over the airport. <laughs> right you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. They've got a. You've got to go to a special place. <laughs> yeah. Get out. Yeah. Stan picks it up, takes it to a special lot. Okay. And then, but here's the cool part: Stan will know when you're coming back because what, of an app. Uh, because of the app, okay. it will know what flight you're coming in on, when you're going to get there, and your car will be waiting for you. Can Stan also activate my uh, starter no. so my car is nice no. and warm? No. No? Mm-hmm. No, we're not going into all that. Because oh. that causes other problems as in safety, privacy, um, you know, security. If you can start your car, why couldn't unlock your car? <coughs> well, that's true. Food for thought. Here's the bombshell. Now, that sounds new, right? Uh Uh-huh. They've already been used for almost three years in France. What? Mm Mm-hmm. How did we not know about this? It's been parking cars in an indoor parking garage at Paris's Charles de Gaulle Airport. And and how does it give you any feedback, like what people are saying about it, how people are liking it? Apparently, it must be working if they're expanding to Great Britain. So no issues that you mm. could see, um, no security, because you had brought up can mm-hmm. he be hacked. So, I mean, in three years, he hasn't, Mm-mm. no security issues Mm-mm. or anything? Mm-mm. Now, okay, but wait a second. You said indoor. So is that? And this year, or it says next year, a new outdoor version of Stan was deployed. Well, I'm sorry, last year. It was deployed to parking lots at the airport outside. So that's working. Now, okay. the Gatwick experiments three months. The system will work by having people drive their cars into a little staging garage. Okay. They'll arrange payment, tag the car with their name and flight information, and then be on their way. A stand robot will then take the car, lift it by the wheels, and park it somewhere in the dense, vast parking lot. <coughs> and as we said, they could be parked closer because you don't need to get into them. Right. Wow. Now, they're designed to handle cars up to eight feet, 18 feet long and weighing up to three tons. Okay, so like even if you had like one of those commercial like fifteen passengers, 
Could be. Because, I mean, that would fit into that. When, and a full size, like your dualies, that would still fit in. Well, I don't know about all that. But for sure, three tons, your dually is going to weigh more now. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. Um, but when you return, when you, the robot knows when your flight arrives, retrieves your car, placing it into another little staging garage for you to pick up. Yep. And the best part, yeah. this is set up where more than one stand can work, so you're not. it's not like you're waiting for the one. See, and I think that would be really cool. I'm going to have to look that up in, you know, international... And see what people are, how people are reacting to that. I'm very curious as to how they're reacting to this. Well, we'll see if Stan, in fact, does take the stress out of airport parking. Uh, you know, thinking about it in a limited situation, uh -huh. might even be able to use it as a tow truck too. That's what I was just thinking about because I'm curious as to what other applications we can use Stan for. Well, Stanley Robotics has been developing stands since 2015, so we'll see. Okay. Last up, adventures in autonomous ride sharing, one man's account. Roadworthy Drive is America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. If you're just tuning in, this is Roadworthy Drive. We're Ken and Sasha, your hosts and tour guides through this brave new world of mobility news and mobility technology. Glad you could make it. Now, before we proceed to the topic at hand for this last segment, a programming note. <laughs> what? What? I missed something. Just, what? But we, if we, if you would just allow me to go a little bit, and by a little bit, I mean like 15 miles off road and go into like the technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could talk about some really cool things. Okay. And you kind of let me go like about eight miles off the road. All right, first of all. Into the weeds. In. First of all. Yeah. Uh, we promised folks that we'd get them home <laughs> to their families without them getting so far into the weeds, we have to send out a search party. But it was fun for my Akita to go out there and actually get some traffic Yeah, you experience. need to stop cutting the rope, though. <laughs> really. Anyway, people, our number two of our program features the popular Tech with Sasha segment. Now, this week... Our beloved Sasha will be talking about bugs, wearables, the tech police, and rogue license plate readers. Just to go on at adding to what you were talking about last week mm -hmm. when you brought up the driver's license readers and how exposed they could be, I decided to dig in and I was shocked. Indeed. So you're intrigued? Then you don't want to miss it. If your favorite radio station doesn't carry the second hour, perish the thought. Oh, no. Oh, my. But no worries. You can listen to it at the show website. Just click the listen link. Now, Waymo's been giving people rides in their autonomous vehicles for a while now in Wait, Arizona. Wait, what's Waymo? Seriously? What's really? <laughs> really? Is that the like self, acne? The self-driving self division of Alphabet, which is the parent of Google. What? They are considered the gold standard in autonomous driving development. What's autonomous driving? Sasha, uh, really? <laughs> Okay. I'm not even going to touch this. Okay. Really. Go ahead. Since Go ahead. they've gone commercial, uh -huh. you may have heard precious little about how things are going, partially in part because of the regular users. Now, they were part of the early adopters group that participated in the test phase. Oh. And that, that's English for they've all signed non-disclosure agreements. And I remember years ago when this first became apparent, when Waymo was like, we're going to give families uh, an autonomous vehicle. And we covered that on Roadworthy Drive. We did. And I tried to actually get a uh, an interview with the family because there was one situation that was mm. similar to mine where mm. they had the mom and dad 
an older child that mm. I think she was just like 15 or 16 mm. and then two younger children. Mm. And notice how far you got. Right. Yes. Didn't yes. get a chance. Well, here's a guy that figured out he talked to this uh, Futurism magazine and figured out how to share what he knows. He's a regular writer. And we're going to share that with you and a segment I call Adventures in Autonomous Ride Sharing. Oh, that we need theme music for that. Uh, well, let's let me start with a little little, little setup. Uh-huh. Just before Christmas. Stop it. A passenger using the <laughs> Waymo One ride hailing service uh -huh. found himself in a self-driving car that seems to have lost its way. The human safety driver, present just in case something goes wrong, was asleep had, at the wheel. Had already taken control of the self-driving car once it took too long to make a left turn. After the autonomous car took over again, the passenger, who, for protection reasons, will refer to as Carl to protect his identity, Carl realized he was cruising right past his destination. He had entered into the Alphabet-owned company's Uber-style app. Carl's stop was off to the right, but there was no obvious openings that the Waymo's autonomous vehicle could take the move into the right lane. Instead of merging, it continued an extra quarter mile down the street, eventually making a legal U-turn so that it could take advantage of a protected left turn before dropping him off. It didn't even turn on a signal and hoped that someone would let him in, said Carl. It just stayed in the left lane and went all the way down past my destination. Okay, can I interject right here? Before you do that, uh -huh. next trip, on an early January trip with the same pickup and drop-off locations, mm -hmm. the autonomous vehicle avoided the whole mess by taking the freeway. <laughs> uh, okay. On the one thing, uh -huh. I'm glad the thing's safe enough not to do a dangerous maneuver in the hopes that everything would be okay. Okay, but we have talked about, we have talked about on this program about mm -hmm. how autonomous vehicles, you've got to think of them in terms of like a beehive. What happens to one happens to all, okay? Mm -hmm. Lately, and we again have talked about this, that people are taking an almost hostile approach to these autonomous vehicles, okay? Mm, they're, you yeah. know, they're doing things with them when they're on the road. They're, you know, doing, they're, purposely jumping out in front of traffic when they're in cars or doing stuff. So if this car is understanding that other human-driven vehicles could be hostile. Crazy? Yes. Cray-cray? Right, cray. right, right, completely. Then it might alter its driving pattern that would be le as less interaction with other drivers as uh possible. Because it's an autonomous vehicle, so just because he turned on his th the turning light doesn't mean that anybody would have indeed and in fact carl goes on to say that the big challenge that the waymo self-driving vehicles have is they run into difficulty with tasks that re require a human-like sense of intuit intuitive timing and an understanding of other drivers intentions uh, excuse me hand up here mm. i have a problem at times understanding other drivers intentions i mean here's my thing you're talking about a situation and again let me reiterate these cars have been uh has been treated in a very hostile mannerism by mm -hmm. the public. Mm -hmm. It's not going to take that approach. And in all honesty, I mean, no offense to the writer of this, but let's not put any kind of higher morale or higher integrity to the human, you know, but aspect he's, of But driving. he's not, though. But the bottom line is, and I take issue with the man, this is early. Yeah. I mean, it's 2019. It's going to take years, and anybody in the industry knows it's going to take years for autonomous driving to be a regular, normal, everyday thing. Just like it took years for the car 
which was once known as the horseless carriage somebody. And it was never going to be a thing. Yeah. It took a while for it to come on. So development time. You know, the big thing is that scared me a little bit. Yeah. Carl wants to live in a world with robots and autonomous cars handle dangerous tasks like driving. Yes. Uh, he said he was inspired by movies like 2002's Minority Report. Yeah. Which creeped me out. Yeah. I've seen the movie. Uh, and in that case, it was a GM Sierra uh, pickup truck. Yep. And it was OnStar. <coughs> yeah. That controlled it. And I was a nah. But the bottom line is, if anything, these things are over careful. That's not a bad thing. No, it's not. Uh, in the early days, I would rather you be a little more cautious yep. than a little less cautious. Yep. So the fact that uh, there's no road rage built in. Mm. <laughs> Considering what we just hit the news over there in, uh, what was it, Massachusetts? Mm. About the road rage? So, yeah. You know, I mean, driving 70 mile an hour with another human being on the hood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, no. This is why this is why I advocate <laughs> support and want to have as a daily cir circumstance autonomous or self-driving vehicles. And understand they're still testing this thing. Yes, they are. So they're building in new features as they become available. And it's still running their early adopter program in concert with. Waymo One, which is their uh, commercial part. Well, and like I said, they adaptive learning. Yeah. So, yeah. Adaptive learning. So, while it's still early, the good news is it's not all bad news. <laughs> right. So, I guess we'll see how that goes on and we'll report more about it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps things up for this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Roadworthy Drive is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Roadworthy Drive Productions Incorporated.